Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. So grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. So grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Uh... Look, I get that it is uh, now 2019, and it feels like more or less every other week on this podcast we're talking about something awful on the internet, uh, whether it's giant companies behaving badly or governments doing a really bad job of trying to get big internet companies to stop behaving badly, though in the process almost always creating tons of problems for everyone else on the internet. Uh, I've been trying for a while now to remind people that the internet doesn't need to be this way and that we might might possibly be able to get back to a vision of what we all thought the internet was going to be originally. Um, I'll have uh, much more on that soon, including a big paper that I've written that's coming out very soon, or may even possibly be out by the time this podcast airs, <laughs> about why we should be talking about protocols instead of platforms for the internet. Uh, but the internet is a big place, and uh, an all-too-common mistake that is made among lots of people, especially the press and policymakers, is to assume that a few large companies, mainly Google and Facebook, define the entire Internet. But as I said, it is a big Internet out there, and there are some really fascinating companies doing really fascinating things. And one of them is Glitch. Uh, if you haven't heard of Glitch, well... You should, uh, and you will, by the end of this podcast, be very familiar with them. Uh, you might be familiar with the company's former name, which is Fog Creek Software, uh, which has been around for decades and was founded by Joel Spolsky. Uh, or you might recognize some of the companies that more or less have spun out of Fog Creek, uh, including Trello, which I still use every day, and Stack Overflow, uh, which I, I use occasionally. Uh, but over the last few years, the renamed Glitch has been sort of reinventing itself under the leadership of Anil Dash. Uh, it's focused on in some sense, bringing us back to the promise of the early internet, in which anyone can create the web that they want. It's a tool that easily allows pretty much anyone to create apps, and it recently announced that there are more glitch apps out there than there are found in the Apple App Store, which is a pretty impressive milestone. Of course, unlike the Apple App Store, developing with Glitch doesn't require you to keep your apps on Glitch's platform. It doesn't require Glitch to review and make sure your apps are okay. It's just a tool that helps tons of people really easily create the web that they want. And Anil has made it clear that he's hoping to bring the world back around to recognizing that true promise of the early internet, and that it's not about creating data for some giant advertising database, but in enabling anyone to create anything. So, Anil, welcome to the podcast. Mike, thanks so much for having me, and that was an incredibly kind intro, too. I appreciate that. Sure, no problem. And I should note that that uh, you and I first met, I think it's got to be almost 20 years ago. A long uh, time ago. <laughs> At uh, least 15. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I mean, I, we, we met uh, before you you actually became, I believe, the first employee at, at one of the original blogging companies, Six Apart. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah, And I, I think it was actually the day you and I were on a panel together was the day I sort of signed on to join um, you know, that early startup and, uh, you know, that was early days of social media and already, you know, what you were doing was one of those great inspirations is like, this is what we can use this medium for. 
Yeah, well, and and you, you know, uh, even back then, we're working on these kinds of projects, right? I mean, bringing the 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 web to to anyone and allowing anyone to sort of you know create what they wanted, which was which was really great. Um, so so it, let's let's talk about glitch. Um, mm-hmm. It was my description fair and accurate. Is that yeah? I mean, it was incredibly charitable. You know, we have we have big aspirations, but it always feels like oh, we're just getting started, or there's all this work we want to do, and you know, to hear that reflected back in how people talk about it. You know, the, the things we always say is Glitch is a creative community, sort of first and foremost. It's a place where people share their ideas or share the apps they've created or build tools that they think other people will find useful. And that that's almost a sort of a lost idea that the web is a, <laughs> a medium for creative expression. Yeah. Right? We, we think of it generally as like a box that we put our photos in or a place we go to feel bad about the world or you know, where the notifications from our boss that we got to go read some messages came in. And and the idea that like, well, I have something to say in the world and I could choose to make a film or write a book or I can make something on the internet. And and so I think, you know, in a lot of ways it is this, it was absolutely, you know, this idealistic view of the early web, but it, hopefully in what we're seeing in Glitch Today is a, is a, a very modern take on it. It's not a retro you know, a, a throwback for old timers or remember the old days of the internet. Um, it's informed by that, but it's very much about a sort of a new contemporary view of what would it look like for today's internet and today's generation of creators to say, I want a place where I can, I can share my ideas. And, and we've been very fortunate, I think to a large degree due to the, um, you know, the history of the company. This is a company that's created platforms that millions of people use. Uh, we, we've learned good ways of creating, you know, healthy platforms that people like to use, to share their ideas and uh, without a lot of the toxicity, you know, that, that plagues the rest of the internet. And um, so far, so good. We are on track. It feels like to maybe do something like that again. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and that's interesting. So let's, let's dig in a little deeper. I mean, um, you're talking about, you know, allowing people to sort of share ideas, but you know, it's, it's interesting to me that it is, I mean, it really is a tool, you know, people can use it to create, um, you know, just purely content, but but there is a sort of programmable aspect to it, right? Very much so. Yeah. And so so each of the things on Glitch is you know from what we say from a technical perspective a full stack web app. Mm-hmm. So so these these we talk about millions of apps, but they are behind the scenes a real complete web server and uh, and the interface in which people create these things is is basically an entire development environment, a coding tool in the browser, which people have taken stabs at for a long time. Yeah. But I think it's really the first time we've done that. Like as you type, you are deploying a full app live on the web. Like that is the thing that for people who've made stuff on the web before or experienced developers kind of blows their mind because yeah. what it re- reminds us is it well, somewhere along the way, it got real hard to do that. <laughs> yes. You know, like, like a lot of steps got involved. It used to be you would, you know, uh, back in the olden days, you would use something like FTP. It was like a simple program and you would just like sort of drag your file Yep. Out of your note, notepad and into and into the web, and then these days it was this like you know forty five steps of like ask the guy down the hall if you're allowed <laughs> to use Amazon Web Services and you know uh, just so many complexities and learn a new framework and toolkit and and so what we find from people whether they are you know old timers have been around experienced developers or somebody brand new who's never made something is they're like wow I just typed in you know this editor in my browser and all of a sudden something was live on the internet and it felt electric. It felt like magic. It felt like I've got this thing that I've made. And they're going everything from very, very simple, you know, games and, and fun sort of, you know, meme kind of things all the way into, in many cases, very complex apps, you know, pushing the boundaries of 
uh, virtual reality on the web or new frontiers in you know machine learning, and they're able to do that all from just going to glitch.com. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really interesting, and and as you said, you know, this to some extent was sort of considered the holy grail, right? I mean, could you make it easy for people to to program stuff? And and there have been attempts in the past, and and you know, I remember hearing about things like this, you know, probably back around when we met, you know, 15, mm -hmm. 20 years ago, where people were talking about these ideas. Um, and, and, you know, most of them sort of didn't, didn't work, uh, or didn't get any traction. So, you know, what do you, what is, what do you think is different about glitch? Well, there's, there's a couple things that changed in the approach, you know, um, and I totally agree, this is not a new idea. In fact, you know, Tim Berners-Lee made the first web browser, the app was called World Wide Web. Yep. And it had an editor in it. Yep. Right? And it actually, you know, probably, this is like, this. we would consider this bad writing if we saw this in a movie. But, you know, it's really Mark Andreessen when he makes his first web browser who takes the editor functions out of it. Yeah. And and sort of says, ah, you know what? Reading's good. You, somebody else can write <laughs> for you, you know? And, and I don't want to, you know, ascribe sort of too much destiny to that. But I don't think... It's a contrivance to say there's a straight line from that to him being on the board of Facebook where they're sort of like, don't worry about it. We'll give you the content you want. Well, there, and, there goes your investment from A16D. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it is one of those weird things, being the CEO of a tech company and having a point of view and some history. <laughs> and and then and then there are players that choose sure. where the money goes. Yeah. You know? And um, at the same time, I do remember the first time – I helped Mark Andreessen set up his blog when he started blogging because I uh -huh. was running a, a blogging service back then that, that we hosted on. And um, the first time he ever linked to my blog, I was excited. I was like, this guy's a huge name. This is before you know Andreessen Horowitz existed yeah. and, and their VC work and all that stuff. And um, it was a thing you may remember and your listeners may remember. It's a, it was not a big deal in the tech industry later. But uh, um, it was uh, an initiative called Open Social. Uh -huh. And it was a consortium of MySpace, and I was working with LiveJournal at the time, and um, uh, basically all the all the also rans that were not Facebook, <laughs> and 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 that were scared rightfully of getting crushed by Facebook, saying, "Well, we'll have a way to build on our platform as a response to building stuff on top of Facebook's platform." And they and Google was really the you know sort of the driver of this thing. They're, we're going to make this open, and we're all going to be able to right. build interoperable stuff. At any rate, I wrote about you know I think that. Hopefully, over time, the web wins and open platforms win. And that, you know, AOL had had proprietary systems in the past, and MSN had had proprietary systems in the past. And that hopefully, you know, and, and the web beat them both, and, and hopefully that would happen again. And the most effusive praise I got about the piece that I wrote um, was from Mark Andreessen saying, you know, the open web does always win, and these proprietary walled gardens do fade in and get beaten by the internet over time. And sometimes it takes years or decades, but it happens. Um, I believe that version of Mark. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, you know, there's that vision that's been there from the beginning of the web. And then there actually are some technological breakthroughs that happened that make it more likely to work now than when somebody tried similar ideas five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, you know, the, the browsers are better tools. They've done a lot of advancements in just being able to do editing and, and their robustness in handling, you know, JavaScript. And, and so like there's a technical advancement there. Similarly on the, in terms of cloud infrastructure or the server side, um, there's been a lot of work around, um, you know, what's called containerization or the yep. Docker platform, right? And this is, you know, virtualizing machines. But what it means at a practical standpoint is every one of the millions of apps on Glitch 
is its own virtual machine and we're able to instantly get it up and running and then stash it away as soon as you're not using that app. Right. And so that in the olden days would have been millions of computers, right? Yeah. It would have cost us an unbounded amount of dollars. And now it's something that we can actually think about making for the vast majority of our users totally free. Right. And and so that is a classic Moore's law, you know, <laughs> costs coming down, uh, things get orders of magnitude less expensive, and then you can do different things. And it, and it's not glamorous to talk about that stuff anymore. Like tech companies are, you know, these days, yeah. somebody that manages real estate or, or hails taxis as a tech company. But like, <laughs> I'm old fashioned. We got folks with PhDs talking about how do we orchestrate, you know, very, very complicated things technically. And then the last piece is culture and society has shifted to where they're ready. Yeah. People are sufficiently you know, fed up with feeling creeped out by the tech they use and sufficiently motivated and inspired by a vision of locally grown, organic, you know, homemade tech that uh, that they're willing to take the time and energy to learn about what are the other options and alternatives that are out there. And if one of them happens to be friendly and have some bright colors on it and the people in the community <laughs> aren't a bunch of jerks, so much the better. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. And I, I think, um, I mean, all three of those points are, are really valid. Um, the middle one strikes me, you know, it, it, it gets back to, I mean, you talk about Moore's Law, but I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps even more accurate is the idea of, you know, as things, is, is sort of the marginal cost argument, right? I mean, as things yeah, get, yeah, very get, much so. get so cheap, you know, what I forget the exact saying, but it's, you know, when things trend towards zero, it, it becomes crazy not to, to, to waste them, right? I mean, you use, right. you know, you use it as much as you can. Um, and that's really what's happening. Whereas, yeah, know, there's, there's a mindset of abundance about being yeah. able to create, you know, virtual computers or whatever you want to call them. And that, that was brain bending to me, you know, yeah. when back in the days when, when you and I met and we were running a blogging service, the first thing we did when we raised a tiny bit of money was, uh, sent almost all of it to Dell computers so they could <laughs> fill up a truck full of computers in Texas right. and drive them to our data center. Yep. And then we hoped like hell somebody would want to pay for something that would use those computers. Yep. You know, but but and and I think no coincidence that company that I was working at, at the time, we were the first customers of Amazon Web Services. Right. Um that, that had a consumer service because we were so desperate to not be putting out that capital outlay and expense, but also just like you have to train people to babysit those computers. Like there's so much work there. Yeah. And to go from that mindset of it's, you know, and this is very, you know, uphill both ways in the snow, like yeah, that, that set of like <laughs> things are expensive and hard to, I don't even know how many virtual servers were running and they're constantly in a, in a state of being shut down and started up and moved around and shifted from one cloud to another. And that's all happening mostly in an automated way. Is, is just a mind-boggling shift in it, and it changes the economics of it. And then the idea of seeing a technologically-enabled change turn into an economic change, turn into a, a cultural change, you know, that is that is as exciting as it gets. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting, though, that all that has happened in the background of of sort of the the in increasing rise of, of Google and Facebook, though, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so I, I, to some extent, I sort of wonder about those two things at the same time. I mean, even as these things have, have happened, right, I mean, more and more of people's lives do happen through, through those internet giants, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to mediate our experiences for the rest of our lives to some degree. You know, they're, they're not going away. Right. And they're not going to be erased, and there is no opting out. There is no logging out. And 
resigning myself to that was like a multi, like almost a decade long <laughs> process. You know what I mean? Because I, I remember banging the drum back in the day of like, we don't have to do this. Right. And and then at some point you're like, the ship has sailed. Right. We're not putting the, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use. We're not putting the cat back in the bag or the genie back in the bottle, whatever. And given that, what are our choices? Right. Are we going to resign ourselves? Are we going to hope in an increasingly hostile regulatory environment, suddenly we're going to have really good regulations? Like, I don't think that's going to be... <laughs> particularly thoughtful it, i mean it's a component of it but like sure there's no silver bullet coming from you know this administration and then to think about the cultural change are we going to make millions of teenagers say i don't suddenly care about how many likes my instagram gets right no like you're not going to pull that off right and and this is this is where it is informed by like being on social media for 20 years like this this month as we record this is 20 years uh, that I've been blogging. Right. And I'm, I'm sure just as long for you, right? And you learn some stuff in that time. And one of those is the, the social motivation of wanting to earn status or be seen as cool or get good responses or earn the attention of that person you care about. Those don't change. And they're, they're constant. And the technology can evolve, but you will not route around people feeling creeped out about technology or resenting the hostility and abuse on a platform by saying you know what you ought to do is eat your vegetables. <laughs> right, right. That's never right. good. And, 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 you know, learn to manage a, a Linux server. This is what's going to save you, <laughs> right? Like that's not – and that and that I think for so often, myself included, people in tech were sort of kind of coming at it from that standpoint. Like if you don't like it, build it yourself. Sure. And, and so finding a middle ground that is saying, you know, it's a little more carrot than stick. Here are cool things that people organically are interested in. Like yeah. every day something goes viral on Glitch. And like literally yesterday, one of the biggest apps was um, this app that simulates if your keyboard was really slow to respond, which is maddening. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's just exasperating. But at the same time, it's kind of fun. Like it feels almost like a game because it makes you realize how much you're sensitive to timing in a way that you maybe were, you know, weren't aware of. So this got – I mean there were articles written about it and it's just people sharing it on social media and all that stuff. And it's just like that is not something anybody would ever build – for you know the Apple App Store, right? You would never in a million years do it. It's because it was easy and fun, and somebody had a goofy idea and want to put it out. And actually, the woman who created it is actually a, a very senior engineer at Google. But it's like this isn't her, her job. She did this because it was fun, and she had the ability to do it. And so that was one app, you know. Yeah. And then and the other was that was sort of a big one yesterday was um, Formula One fans. Uh -huh. Somebody had made a it's basically like a response timer, like how quickly can you hit the button after it turns green. So you're pretending to be a Formula One driver hitting the gas right. after, you know, go. And, you know, they want to test their reflexes against the best drivers in, um, you know, in the sport. And they do it by sort of sharing this app. And again, it's deadly simple. This is not pushing the boundaries of computer science to build this app. Right. But it speaks to people as fans imagining themselves in the cockpit of a car just like their favorite driver. And can I do what he does? And and is there part of me that's like him? So it's this cultural aspiration. Yeah. And it is the thing that makes somebody a fan of sports. And again, you would never in a million years be like, I hope Apple promotes that on the front page of the App Store. Because they don't do that anymore. They're talking about, you know, some comic book movie. Right. And, and so to have a place where a weird impulse to create something fun goes and is shared and is valuable there's a latent desire for that in the same way that people love to watch 
their you know their friend play a song you know or or their band perform even if it's like okay they're doing a cover song I've heard it before but it has emotional resonance to me because of the context and because of the people that made it and because I you know it speaks to something that's important to me and and then taking that into maybe I could have that same experience at work where we have some tools that just solve a problem for me instead of being the ones the IT department blessed like those are the same impulse of like yeah. I want to have control over technology. Yeah, and I, I mean it. You know, again, I, I don't mean to just keep going back to 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 the past, but it reminds mm-hmm. me of some of the stuff that mm-hmm. that did show up on the early web. I mean, things like you know, uh, you know, a, a, a webcam staring at a coffee mm-hmm. pot or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching a vending machine it's, at MIT. Exactly. Right? Yeah. One of the first websites that I looked at was that, and and part of it was that it it was. I mean, it was funny or or charming on its own. Sure. And and it was an expression of intent. Yep. It was this promise that, oh, I could do this. I have an idea like this. Yeah. And back then, you could just hit view source in your web browser and see how the page was made. Yeah. And and so that's that guiding impulse where every project on Glitch, you can hit view source and you can see all the code that makes it up. Yeah. And, and you can edit it in your browser. And so that sense of coming full circle is there. And And I do think, you know, for those of us who have been around, it is useful to have a reference point to the old internet. Like, but I think the other, the other thing I would say is I'm not overly reverent towards it. Sure. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think there's a good old days. I think it was very flawed in its yeah. own ways. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but it's a lot like, you know, you, you, you read a book that speaks to you or you listen to music that you love and it might be, you know, referencing or sampling a song that you also loved or something that, you know, has a history to it. Yeah. And so there's those connections in the, into culture over time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, along those same lines, I, I mean, you know, and what you were saying earlier is that glitch is sort of taking that kind of concept forward, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this this is the the promise that that to some extent we feel kind of, or at least I feel, got a little bit lost over the past decade or so. Um, so, I mean, you've described some of the sort of simple apps, but you mentioned earlier that there are more complex apps as well. Do you want to mm-hmm. discuss a few of those just to give people yeah. a sense of of what else can be done with glitch? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's such a range. You know, at one end, well, there's if you go to glitch.com itself. That is an app running on Glitch, which mm-hmm. sort of bends people's brains. It is an open source app. You can go in and make your own versions and, and actually even suggest changes to the site itself. So that's like that, – that one I love because it is the sort of um, you know fully recursive nerdy way of doing things. Right. Um, but you know, I, I, one, this is a very prosaic example, but I love it because it's just very functional. Um, Google has a, a, a team called um, the Material Design Team, and it's their sort of design aesthetic yep. for their apps. And they, and they really advocate for that. Design sense. I think I think it's well done, and they built a little tool to help you build themes for it. So if you want to, you know, get exactly the right colors and the right fonts and the, and you write, you know, animations and all the stuff you like, you go to their app on Glitch and it'll help you set everything up. And you know, they announced it at their big conference at Google I/O, and it was striking to me because obviously they have a, they, you know, Google builds everything in the world and most of their stuffs on their Google Play Store, and for them to think about launching an app on Glitch at their big event. Yeah, um, was a was a little bit of a wow moment, and I think it comes from a very sincere place. That there are still so many people there that love the web. Yeah, yeah, you know, like they really think this is powerful, and they think that's the way to get to the most people being able to build a theme or you know do whatever they want to do. So that's something where like, I mean, the app look gorgeous, looks gorgeous, but it's not you know it's not one of those things where you're like, wow, how did they do this? You're just like, oh, this is useful. Yeah, I want to do this. This is going to be handy. Um, I think that's really powerful. Sort of in that same vein. Uh, there's an app we use a lot here, actually at Glitch, that we built for ourselves, but others have started to use. That is, um, it helps you choose who in a meeting is going to take notes for that meeting. Hmm. 
And so, and most of our meetings at the beginning of them, we put in the name of everybody and then we sort of, you know, it's almost like spinning a roulette wheel or whatever. And, um, and the, the impetus was we did not want to have basically the most junior or the most marginalized person in the room be stuck taking notes every time. Right. You know, and, and it's a, having been on the wrong end of that for many years of my career, like it's, it just, it's a poisonous feeling and. Um, and so often, especially for, you know, uh, women in a workplace, it ends up this thing where like, why is this my job? You know? <laughs> right. And, and so one sort of simple way to neutralize that is like, well, we'll just, we'll randomize it and it'll sort of go through the list and, uh, and take turns. And, and that's the kind of thing where, again, because it's easy, just building an app for it is trivial. It was very simple. This is not, you know, it's not that wild to have a computer pick a random number basically. And yet it totally diffuses what is potentially a very tense social interaction. Yeah. And so I, I again I'm not surprised other companies have sort of picked it up and said, oh, we wanna we wanna use that. We wanna have that kind of thing. And you know, those kinds of very practical everyday use at work, um, handy things that then also people will build on and remix and change, I think are are probably the fastest growing category and the thing I'm most excited about going forward where you know somebody just wants to build a simple Slack bot. And get you know the numbers out of their old system reported into a Slack channel or or whatever. Um, there's almost always that example out on Glitch now at the scale that we're at, and people can take it and they're like, "Well, I want to tweak this one thing, but this is pretty much what I want." Right. Um, that's just so powerful. Yeah, yeah. No, it it, it is really cool. Um, for for people who aren't familiar with how it works, I mean, what what mm-hmm. what sort of skill or background do you need to use Glitch? So, you know, it depends what you want to do. If you want to, if you want to go in and curate a bunch of apps and store them in a collection, just use them. Like that's, you know, obviously anybody on the web hopefully can do that. Right. Um, to, to create, it, it, you know, it depends on the ambition of what you're trying to do. If you see an app on Glitch and you're like, this is almost right, but I need to, you know, rename this one part or I want to shift the color from blue to green or something like that. Uh, pretty much anybody can do that. We have, um, uh, as I said, the editor of the browser and you can click view source and you, and you started just editing around. And even if you don't think of yourself as a coder, if you've ever edited a spreadsheet formula or tweaked the HTML on a blog post, you know, or whatever, it, you've got the skills to do it. You can sort of read through it and be like, I don't know what all this stuff does, but this part that I want to change, I see it says blue. I'll type green there instead and see if it does what right. I want. You know, and that fact that there's the immediate feedback kind of gives you a safe feeling. Right. And it, in particular, when you make a change in Glitch, under the hood from a technical perspective, it's Git, the same technology that GitHub uses for, you know, version control. But the user interface is this little slider that we call rewind. So just like you rewind a, you know, a video on YouTube, if you make a mistake, you can just slide it back. Yeah. And, and so that gives you a lot of leeway, a lot of freedom to experiment. And then, you know, if you are an experienced developer, experienced coder, uh, a programmer, somebody who's built stuff before, you can, you know, with a click, you can bring anything in from GitHub. You can use, we have thousands of starters that are like, you know, the popular frameworks that people use, uh, toolkits like React and Vue and things like that. It's one click and you've got it in a couple seconds up and running. And and, and increasingly, that's the shift that um, yeah, I'm really excited about is we're seeing experienced professional developers that are like, yeah, I could do all this work myself, but I don't want to. I want to do my idea. And so the convenience of it is really powerful. And especially in their case, they're able to connect it to the other tools they use. So like we said, GitHub, where you can send your code, you know, to and from there. Uh, import it or export it, you can connect to um, Visual Studio Code, which is Microsoft's text editor. It's the most popular programming editor in the world. And you can, you know, one of those wild things is with Glitch, you can do simultaneous real-time editing, like Google Docs. You're both editing the code at the same time with Hmm. other people. 
And you can actually even hook that up to, you know, Visual Studio Code on the desktop. So you can have somebody that's an experienced programmer on their favorite text editor, on their, you know, tricked out computer, typing away. And the person who's never coded a line before in their lives, never seen any of this stuff, open it up in their browser and be working with them in collaboration in real time and see how it works. And, you know, if that latter person gets stuck, we even have a thing where there's an emoji of the person with their hand raised. You can click that. And the homepage of Glitch will be like, Mike needs some help. Who wants to help him? He's working on a JavaScript problem. And people will come in from the community and help you out right in the editor, like coding alongside you huh. uh, on the file you're doing. And that thing, you know, typically those – if you raise your hand, you typically helped within a minute on the site. Wow. And and that that's just such a – yeah. You know, it's such a reaffirming – people want to be good to each other. Yeah. They want a place to be good to each other on the internet. And – um, and it's and it's fun too because when you do that, you know, if, if somebody helps you out, you can thank them, and their screen fills with hearts, <laughs> and your screen fills with bubbles, and it's just it's just a really amazing feeling. Yeah, that's that's great. That's I mean, that's great on so many levels. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I, and again, I, I feel like I keep going back to this, but it reminds me of like that's I mean, how I learned HTML in, mm-hmm. in the old days. You know, find really cool web pages and, and view source, and and then start playing around with it. I mean, yeah, and you would paste it into a file and be like, oh, okay, it didn't work exactly as I want, but I see what I'm doing, right? And I'm iterating on it, and and I think that that impulse has never gone away. Yeah, you know, the hard part of coding is not the code. Yeah. It is the you know all the barriers around it. It's whether it's an industry that says you're allowed to be part of it, or whether the people answering the questions about it are being jerks or want to be helpful, and you know all that stuff. Those are problems that can be solved. You can create a place where people are like, I'm going to try something out. I might feel a little vulnerable right. to raise my hand and ask for help, but if the people on the other side are reassuring and they know this is the place where that's what we do for each other, uh, it really does change the tenor of the thing. Yeah, that's great. So. Um... So, so where do you go from here? What's next? You know, that's a good question. We um, we did something radical, um, which was that uh, Fog Creek, our you know our prior name and our prior incarnation as a company, had always been bootstrapped, and in fact had bootstrapped its way into creating Trello and Stack Overflow and the other products over the years. And we did that for the first few years we were working on Glitch, and I think we realized actually very similar to Trello, we had something that had caught people's imagination and solved a problem in a, in a I think a new way. And we decided to raise funds, but this time we did not spin it out of the company. We renamed the company. And it was um, a very, honestly, a very emotional decision for me mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been very critical of that industry, including some of its biggest names. Yeah. And, yeah, and to their faces, <laughs> not, to the, not to their delight. And um, and with good reason. You know what I mean? I'm not, sure. I'm not a, you know, I'm not wilding out. I'm like, this is something I, I feel. But at the same time, if you have something that is worthy, I had seen, you know, in my own experiences in my career, not giving it enough resources and not giving it enough space to actually reach its its potential was just as crushing when you had something good that empowered people right. and gave them a voice and you gave it short shrift. Uh, it didn't mean that, you know, it wasn't just that you failed. It was that what came in and filled in the gap might be worse. Right. You know, and that was um, that was something I felt the the weight and the responsibility of as well. And we chose to, we we did a... I think we were probably the biggest consumer A round of funding in, in the industry last year. Uh, we raised $30 million in an A round, uh-huh. which that – an initial round of funding for a company that's 18 years old is a very <laughs> weird thing. Yeah. You know? There's very, very little precedent for that. Um, and we did it with a single investor, Tiger Global. And part of why – you know, what drew me to them was um, you know, the analysts on their team who had come to us initially 
um, showed me the apps he'd made on Glitch. Huh. You know, and uh, you know, and he's like, I was using it with this way with like building an, uh, an add-on, a customization for Microsoft Teams, and I was doing this, and I was like, that's interesting. That is a different conversation, you know. And, and sort of similarly, they had, you know, backed um, Envision, which is a design tool that allows real-time collaboration around design. Uh -huh. And so, we, you know, it was very, very analogous to what does it look like to give people a tool that they can easily get into to use to work together in real time to do their work better, but also frees them to express themselves creatively. And I think there's a lot of things that are, you know, trending that way. And and so, so that was, you know, it was very fraught. And then after we sort of made that decision last fall, we started to scale the team and, you know, expand our ambitions. And what we found was it let us, one, draw an incredible talent. So we've been able to hire amazing people. It let us address things that were broken at our own company in the old days. So, you know, we became a much more inclusive team. We became much more skilled at these incredible technical things we're doing. You know, like all the things that we, that were unfinished business that we wanted to do. And so that set us up, you know, the question you were asking is like, what's next? What I think about is, how do we get every person on the web to be able to create the web? Hmm. You know, um, that was what it was supposed to be. Right. And, you know, right now there's probably 3 billion people on the web, plus or minus. And it is probably 0.001% of people on the web who make it. Right. Who create something. Um, and we're not going to get there by, you know, a lot of podcasts have the ad of like, you're going to build a professional looking website <laughs> by going here, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Some folks want that. I've been the person that wants that sometimes. That's cool. I'm glad. Yep. That's a very solved problem. But there are no podcast ads that are like, would you like to do something weird and iffy that only some <laughs> of your friends will like? You know, the internet's a place for that too. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, I don't know about you, but when I started my blog, it was because everybody in my life was like, I don't care about this. I don't want to hear about it. Right. Go find your people. Yep. Yep. You know? You yep. know? And like, I, I, I'm tired of hearing about this. And so... Um, and it's almost the opposite of that. What if I don't want something professional looking and polished? Right. And I don't want something with all of the weirdness and the grit, you know, and the vibe sort of, you know, dulled off of it and sanded off of it. And instead I want to try some stuff. And, and that can be because at work I've got a problem I want to solve and my IT department hasn't given me the tools. Or it can be because I'm an activist and I know GitHub is not putting you know, data on, on police violence on its homepage. Yeah. But glitch just might. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we get a different, a different perspective on these things and we get a different cohort of people that are saying, wow, I never thought about this being my outlet. I never thought about being able to tell a story this way. I never thought the thing I made might resonate with other people. Um, doing that, we've, we've just scratched the surface. We've just gotten a tiny, tiny sliver of people who thought, oh, I didn't know I was a creator to kind of open the door and open their minds and think of that about themselves. And so now we've got, what, three billion more people to go. <laughs> well, that's ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll take a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. And, and, uh, I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm not going to reveal what it is, but, but, uh, Someone someone approached us recently about a project that we were sort of toying around with and suggesting mm -hmm. that that we should try and build something with Glitch and we've been thinking about it. We haven't gotten anywhere with it yet, but I'm I'm planning mm -hmm. on on playing around much more deeply with the tools myself. Um, oh, that's incredible! And and I'm excited for it because I think it actually. I mean, you know, one of the things 
you know, and I, I've obviously followed your career and, and knew about Glitch and, and everything, um, but hadn't, you know, just hadn't had a chance to play around with it. But one of the exciting things as we were talking about it was like, you know, I, I it's, it's a really cool idea. It's something we're sort of already working on in a different context. Um, and I just, you know, I wouldn't have thought that we would have been able to do do something like what we're planning to do until glitch was there and and someone pointed out that we should use it for this and and so that that's you know that's part of why i was so excited to 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 catch up with you again um you know just the fact that it's it's enabling stuff um that that is pretty powerful and so the congrats on on everything that's happened so far and and good luck with with everything thank you so forward. much and uh, it's really incredible to hear. We can't wait to see what you make. Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was even going to mention it since we're still very early stages on it. But <laughs> um, but uh, hey, thanks for, for taking the time to, to have this discussion. I know you're super busy and uh, uh, there's lots of really interesting stuff. And I'm sure that everyone listening will be really excited about it as well. If, if, if they didn't already know about it and hopefully if they did, they'll be even more excited about it as well. You're very welcome, and, and thank you so much for your voice. You bring so many key issues up, and you articulate things that so few other people in the industry do, uh, and you've done it so consistently, so well for so long. I am always very grateful for it. Oh. Thank you. Wow, that's that's very nice to hear. Thank you. All right, well, uh, that's it for the podcast this week. Uh, thanks, for everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Stand up to them, someone will get hurt.